0: The best way to predict the future is to invent it. Stephen Ambrose brings you up to speed on what the future holds as he explores the latest technology as it impacts our lives. Well, good morning and welcome to Tech Talk Cafe right here on a bit of a crazy morning. But anyway, it's always crazy. In South Africa, things are happening at a speed that most people actually don't want to know about. But let's just talk technology. Always cool. Always new stuff. Always crazy online things. There are two huge themes of my show today. And the first one is the launch of a new Galaxy. This happens every year. I think it happens a lot less in the real world. But anyway, here we're talking about the Samsung Galaxy S23 launch, which was last night, with availability soon. But uh, stay tuned in the Gadget of the Week. I'm going to give a first look at the new range and give you some insight As to what's new in the galaxy range. And as I've been saying over the last couple of months, years, shows, whatever, the, the handset of the future or so, or rather the gadget of the future is so much more than simply a shiny piece of plastic, glass, metal, whatever. It is access to a whole ecosystem of stuff, services, things that you want to run your house with, run your life with, run your business with, just generally interact with the modern, spectacularly connected world. But we'll get into some of that uh, a little bit later. The other thing we're going to talk about during Tech Talk Cafe is ChatGPT. It is the hottest new dinner apart from load shedding and solar and things that I'm not going to talk about. But apart from that, um, it's sort of become the flavor of the month. It launched in November last year, and so many, so many things um, have been said and done, but we'll try to give some perspective, tell you how to use it, what to do with it, what it is and what it isn't. So stay tuned. I think that's going to be an interesting chat. I was trying to get a expert on the field on the line, but uh, I was a little bit last minute dot com on that one and we'll miss, but we will bring you some, some really interesting people because that whole sort of artificial intelligence, machine learning, sort of massive, uh, computer based platform stuff is certainly becoming more and more relevant. But moving into slightly less exotic stuff, but certainly dealing with um, entertainment and online and streaming and whatever, Netflix just announced that they are um, rolling out two new features if you are a premium plan subscriber. Now, the premium plan in South Africa is actually quite reasonable, so it's a little bit cheaper. In fact, it's quite a bit cheaper than elsewhere in the world. Running at one ninety-nine a month, and when you think about the costs of other forms of entertainment, going to the movies, going to the pub for a drink or two, uh, Netflix and chill, 24 by 7, 365 at one ninety nine a month is not a bad deal. And interestingly, of, t- of late, I've noted that the amount of new watchable and interesting content has screamed up this. It was a bit of a gray period for a while last year. I think it was probably catch-up from the lost years. But um, certainly, ton of new interesting series, a couple of new movies, a lot of good content available on Netflix right now. But anyway, back to the new premium features. Um, essentially, the first one they're talking about is spatial audio support, translated, surround sound from two speakers which not always great, depending on your TV, depending on your setup. Um, but what it does, it uses the software to manipulate the sound from stereo speakers to speakers, and it does create a virtual surround experience. Now, I've played with this on a lot of different platforms. I haven't yet played with it on Netflix. I should have. It's actually been available in some shape or form with various things over the last little while. But I have tried it on, on a number of other platforms, and it does work. It has one little downside. If you struggle to hear or for some reason the TV's not great with voice and there are a lot of voices or things moving on the screen, it can get a little muddled. But overall, it certainly does expand the, the sound out of the TV screen. It doesn't, uh, keeps, creates a soundstage that's pretty cool. And the new immersive cinematic sort of sound thing is a great, it's a great little addition. Netflix have been talking about high-definition audio and audio benefits for a while. And this, I think, is their first, um, the first sort of shot at that. And it is noticeable. Just check in the settings, make sure it's set up, uh, and and let it go. And I'd be interested to hear some feedback, whether you do or don't hear any difference. But I've, as I said, played with it, and it works really well. Some of the new... Um, titles that include support for Spade Audio are Stranger Things, the new version, The Watcher, Wednesday, cool series if you haven't watched it, Knives Out, Glass Onion, super fun but very confusing and not particularly <laughs> deep movie but uh, really well worth a watch. Sorry, I'm doing little... Uh, movie critiques and whatnot now But they'll be coming to a lot of new titles Like You, Your Place of Mine, Luther The Fallen Sun, Tour de France And a lot of others are coming So watch, look out for it, it's there um, There is already support for Dolby Atmos But that does depend On your TV and your speaker manufacturers And often you have to, you know It's quite a mission to get there What's also been included is more devices For offline watching Now, there's no question. I mean, DSTV just don't get that. You've got a couple of kids in the house. They want to watch on their iPads, their computers. They don't want to sit in the lounge. They should. It's quite a cool thing to have the whole family around the TV, but those days seem to be gone. And, um, oh, dad wants to watch the sport. Mom wants to watch some movies or vice versa. Keep it, Keep it even. And they've upped the limit to six devices that you can download on and watch. Not one. DSTV, take note, not one, but uh, six. So that's pretty cool. There are, unfortunately, in another, another life, cracking down on uh, password sharing from different households. So if you're in the same household and you're sharing the same IP address, shouldn't be a problem for up to six devices. And even remotely, if you take that device out on, on the road or on holiday, should not be a problem. But I think they're going to start tracking when uh, the same password is used from two totally different IP addresses, which resolve to two totally other physical addresses. Because password sharing has become a bit rife. And if you can share your password six times for 199 Rand and share the cost, it certainly becomes super cheap. So I'm not advocating for that. Um, everyone should have their own subscription. But I acknowledge, like they do, that this is happening. And they will be doing something about it starting this year. So expect if you are sharing, that uh, those days may, may, may well be coming to the end. But on that note, um, what's not coming to the end is the amount of new digital banks that are coming to South Africa. Announced this week, there's a new platform coming from a company called Lula Lend, which they just got a massive $35 million investment to expand their business. And they're going to partner with a Nigerian leader bank called Access Bank, to establish a new online bank called Lula. Now, Time Bank um, and so many others have launched. It's all been a bit quiet. I suppose things are a little crazy, and banking is not exactly sexy. But the big, the big trend here is for nimble, effective, transactional online banks. It's happening around the world, but to less of an extent. But in a place like South Africa, very low cost, very nimble, very accessible online banks make a lot of sense and they each have their niche. I just question that we may land up with a a little bit of a, a bubble and maybe a couple of them won't make it. So be careful in terms of where you invest and where you keep big money. But certainly from a transactional point of view, certainly makes sense to use the slickest, smoothest, easiest and cheapest bank. So, Keep keep your eyes open. There are more of them coming. Lula will be a new bank shortly. And the others have got good reputations. I must say that the banking regulations in South Africa are pretty strict. The chance of you losing your money um, are fairly low, though, as we've learned in the past, not exactly impossible. And on another unfortunate note, before we take a break for our sponsors and move on to chat GPT in the next segment, unfortunately... With the Rand and all the craziness going on, Apple are hiking the App Store prices in South Africa. They're actually doing it. They're doing a complete rebalancing across the world for 2023. They did announce this earlier in January. But these new prices will take effect from 13th of February, 2023. So you've still got about a week, 10 days to buy all the apps or whatever it is that you wanted at the older price if there's anything you had your eye on, a game here, uh, an app there. But unfortunately, they've announced that due to foreign exchange rates and globally changes in tax policies. Interestingly, though, what uh, certain countries have done is they've reduced their value-added tax rates, unheard of in our context. But like Ireland, have gone from 9% to 0%. Luxembourg's down from 17 to 16, Singapore seven to eight, they went up a little, but um, and Zimbabwe also went up. So <laughs> I suppose a bit of a balanced thing. But imagine uh, actually reducing tax rates—what a novel, novel idea! But um, on that note, as I said, um, go and get your latest apps. If there's anything you had your eye on particularly, I don't think a lot of the differences will be huge. But, you know, it all adds up and in the current time and the current moment. Uh, a couple of extra rand for a month for a subscription or a couple of tens of extra rands for an app or something you want to buy outright right, can add up. And uh, every cent counts right now with everything screaming up and getting more expensive by the minute. And on that note, let's uh, have a quick break for our sponsors. And I'll be back with Tech Talk Cafe and we're talking all about Chat GPT what it is, what it means, and what you can actually do with it. So stay tuned. We'll be back straight after this. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Now moving on to the big sort of dinner chat discussion, TikTok madness, and every social media going crazy with AI and Chat GPT. Uh, a lot of people may have heard of it. A lot of people haven't heard of it. But essentially, ChatGPT, just to set the scene about what it is, it's simply a chatbot. It is an online, massive language machine that uses statistics, reinforced learning, supervised learning, to index words, phrases, and sentences. So there is no real intelligence in ChatGPT currently. However... The confluence of all the things I've been talking about for ages has really reached a point where you can interact. Currently, using text, but for many cases you can use voice. There are people who are doing that as well. You can interact with computers on an absolute on an absolute um, basis that feels natural, feels human, feels like things are are really working extremely, extremely well. So, um, just to give you a little, again, a little bit of background, the confluence of those things that really, really, really have changed is, one, the sheer amount of data that has been accumulated across the world. That sort of data, as we digitalize everything from books to reading to Video stuff, everything lands up online. You can't have a conference without posting most of the content online for future consumption. You can't have a meeting without posting a whole lot of stuff. Now, a lot of it is private within the the organization itself, but an absolute ton of it is online. No one releases any information, reports, anything to do unless it, it lands up online. And that is where Google has played an unbelievable part in that space over the years. And Google has become the library of data globally. So anything that can be indexed, referenced or understood is sitting in the sort of library of Google. Google is not the repository. The stuff doesn't sit in Google. Um, the stuff does not sit in chat GPT. The stuff sits everywhere distributed across the internet globally. So there's repositories of data pretty much Everywhere, on every computer, on every database that's lying available to be used globally or sort of has a link to the general uh, Internet. And all that information is able to be processed, indexed, understood, and worked through by platforms like Google and now new pratf- platforms like ChatGPT. But keep in mind that... Um, Right now, ChatGPT is essentially a massive language machine. It is not Google. A lot of people have made that mistake and tried to ask ChatGPT questions about themselves, about things, and then... <laughs> as on the radio interview I did this week, um, you get back some really crazy stuff because what ChatGPT does, like uh, every crazy teenager who's trying to be a lot smarter than they actually are, um, it starts making stuff up. They call it uh, fantasizing. There's a lot of different words. And because it is so good at using language... And, and creating things that read like they should make sense, which are completely and utterly inaccurate. Um, but in the context of what's going on, I'll explain that in a little while. Um, it, it's sort of, wow, this, this feels almost human, but it's not. It is simply a massive language system. So the best way to explain what's going on is that ChatGPT uses words. It does not understand what a word means. So there's no special, there's no specific intelligence in it. Because it knows what a word is and because it has this massive database of where that word or those words or those sentences, those phrases are used, it can then, through the smart algorithms, and this is where the the real, um, brilliance of the whole and the future of all this is. These algorithms and these taught learnings um, have given the the machine, because it can process data at such a speed and have such a massive access, perfect recall to all that data that's out there, it can then put words together in a way that makes perfect sense to a human. Accuracy is not the, the major breakthrough in the space, but certainly the presentation of a well-structured, well-presented piece on anything that you ask ChatGPT to do, Tables and even legal documents, even programming. If you need to do some programming, ask ChatGPT to do it for you. It can do it. But the trick with ChatGPT is really in the queries and how well you query it. So if you start asking it very simple questions like how old am I or what is the age of this or who does that or where can I find this, the type of stuff. Or rather, over the years, we've learned to use Google for for certain things. And we've learned what works in Google and what doesn't work with Google. And unconsciously, as a a human learning machine, you learn to know how to get the most out of the platform that you use. So if you're looking for, I don't know, motor car repairs, you automatically say motor car repairs near me or motor car repairs in Alberton Central. Or, you know, you, you qualify your query in a way that helps you narrow down tons and tons of useful, useless information. Obviously Google and algorithms and all the search engine algorithms have got seriously better over the years, but they don't learn, so there's no context. So you can't ask follow-up questions. That is another huge difference between ChatGPT and, um, and standard search on Google. It is context sensitive, so If you ask it to do something, not ask it a question, but ask it to do something for you and then follow up and refine what you you it'll present something. And you say, well, taking what you've done, can we refine it in the following way and give it another set of instructions that will refine what was there or change the focus or present it in a different way? Chat GPT is awesome at redoing those things in quite a a spectacular manner. So it is a form of artificial intelligence, but it is not truly intelligent. So when you hear AI, when you hear all these sort of claims that it's going to start stealing jobs and taking away your your roles, it's definitely not going to do that. And one of the, um, interestingly enough, there is a company in South Africa and England, Um, there's a voice AI company called Illyrian AI. You can look them up on the web. And they have a conversational AI technology stack. They're based in South Africa and the UK, and they're pretty unique in their, their product. It has tech that speaks all South African languages, all 11 languages, with dialects and accents, and it does this using the type of technology that sits behind chat GPT. I'm going to try to get uh, someone from the company on the show to discuss how they're doing it. And they also have the opinion that chat GPT is not quite the breakthrough that everyone says it is. And as I've been explaining to you, it isn't, um, right now a product that will end newsrooms. There's been a lot of chat that certain newsrooms are going to use Chat GPT to create news articles rather than um, people. Because essentially um, it's it's a structural problem. Human beings can take an enormous amount of diverse data from visual to auditory to memory to smell to all the senses that come in and join dots in a totally nonlinear way. So you cannot know something and still be able to deal with it, whereas current technology in the sort of AI space, every single thing has to be taught or learned or based on some information that is available. Although the algorithms have now got to the point where they are, call it, they used to call it fuzzy logic, um, but they are self-learning. And in fact, there's been a lot of research into how these algorithms can actually create. Google had a whole situation like that where these algorithms could actually go off and create stuff that did not exist in the past, which is getting scarily close to sort of human intuition and growth. But at this stage, it can all be managed through basically uh, a programming platform that creates stuff that is from known stuff. So to simplify it to that point, you've got a a really fast machine that can pretend to communicate with you in a very human-like way. But in fact, it's fudging it, and um, it's dreaming sometimes and doing weird stuff. And other times, it's just completely missing the boat and making stuff up that fits logically but doesn't actually connect with the true facts. One of the best uses of something like ChatGPT. And one of the initial things that I think, for example, is going to be extremely useful is the amount of time that a platform like ChatGPT can save. So, for example, this is just an example, and it just makes a little, uh, little bit of sense. You've got all the information on a particular training course at a company. So you've got everything you need to know About that training course from A to Z, you've got all the information, you've got all the examples, you've got all this type of stuff that you need to know. If you feed that into a platform like ChatGPT or any one of the similar type of platforms and then go on to request that it structures that in a particular way or creates an exam to test Knowledge on that information. So it's very deep, it's very specific, and it's very tested. You know that that information is correct. You know that what you've done there in terms of the training and the exams and the information is correct. So you, a human being would then have to create a, a, an exam a 50-page or 40-question exam to check someone's knowledge if they've gone through that information. It takes time. You could perhaps miss something. It's very, very human time and effort intensive. Now, using, feed that information to some sort of deep learning architecture like ChatGPT, and then ask it, based on the algorithms and what it does, ask it to create a test using the data that it has in that space and to ask questions to test the knowledge of students at this level, et cetera, et cetera. And you can keep refining it. It can do that in mere seconds as opposed to hours and hours and hours. However, the human being, the teacher who, or the subject matter expert who really understands that area would still have to go through and would might, and right now would still make uh, assumptions or check that The assumptions made by the platform are correct, but for the most part, what was a day-long or a protracted amount of time to set up and create an exam can take a couple of hours. Big, big saving doesn't take away that person's job, but it certainly makes it a lot more efficient, a lot more effective, and a lot smarter in many different ways. No missed elements. The formatting is is done for you. You don't have to worry. It'll come out in the correct table. If you want a, you know, um, a sliding scale, one to ten, A to Z, whatever it is, you can set that up immediately without having to do it yourself. If you need to write some code based on a very structured language where it's known, you ask it to write the code. The the, the AI will do that and write that code for you. Again, you'd have to check it, but again, it would save you tons and tons of time. So. The other huge area that is still under construction around the whole chat GPT thing is ethics. Because remember that these are learning platforms, so they do learn, they do store, they do contextualize. So there's a lot of um, training and education that goes into the database that creates them. And the validated data sets that they use are validated to a point, but they do need... um, certain boundaries. So Google, which has a competitor to GPT-3, which is the chat GPT platform, though GPT-4 is on its way as technology goes, Um, their technology is rumored to be called Sparrow, was built with ethical rules from the start. So apparently what it won't do is give financial advice. It will not discuss race or discriminate. It will not give medical advice. Because right now, if you want to build, go to ChatGPT. It's a little business, but have a look. If you go to openai.com and have a look, it'll take you through the process to log on and actually use the platform. And you just need to create an account and join a, a forum. And before you know it, you'll be chat GPTing like the best of us. Um, that's an aside. Sorry, I didn't even mention that, how you get on. But just go to openai.com and follow the instructions. It's pretty simple. But... Once you, you use that platform, you'll realize that there's stuff there that can actually be pretty scary in terms of what it does and doesn't do. But, uh, Microsoft, who is one of the biggest partners in, uh, the whole open AI chat GPT thing is also working on the ethics of AI stuff that it very carefully can't be used or should be used in the right context in the right way. So right now, Um, A lot of this is still early days, but the benefit of these algorithms is that they are self-learning. In other words, we've reached the point in in, in, in computer and sort of algorithmic-based platforms where they can take a basic set of instructions and continually refine them within certain structures to become smarter and smarter and smarter and more contextually effective, adding more and more data all the time from many different sources so that the the sort of gap between what is real and what isn't real um, becomes slimmer and slimmer. Another thing, and I'm not going to talk much about it now, that there's been a ton of is AI-generated pictures. So if you want, you could do a little Google on that as well. If you want to get some sort of photographs of yours fixed by the AI, there's a ton of that going on on the various social media platforms and all over the web. And they're pretty impressive. Some of them being used to generate almost photorealistic stuff. So there's a ton of, um, of stuff in that space too. So where is this all going? I can see our time is running away, but play with ChatGPT. Help it learn. The more people who use it, the better it's going to get. The smarter it'll become. The more it'll become useful. But please, Remember the overarching thing. This is not true artificial intelligence. There's nothing intelligent about what's going on. It's just very, very smart, structurally well-presented um, computer technology and can be used carefully and properly to assist you in whatever you do to cut down on some of the drudge work, to cut down on some of the things that you'd spend hours and hours playing with formatting. Who hasn't spent hours trying to get word formatting to work perfectly? Things like that. It is absolutely brilliant. And if they and if you're using structured data sets that are well tested, well understood, the usage or the advice that these ChatGPT type platforms, and there are many now, using similar, some using the same database. Um hopefully this uh This new one which uses voice in South African languages, which is pretty serious, uh, will become more and more useful and they'll be able to be used for more and more things. And as you integrate them into your daily life, into your workflow, you'll be able to do more and more things with it. But it should not and will not for now take away your job. It should not and will not do it better than a smart human who's someone with some experience. And... We are still a long way from the, the utopia, some people call it the dystopia, of the machine taking over. Not yet, not for a while, but there is just absolutely no question that as we go forward, we're going to see more and more of these type of smart assistive technologies across absolutely everything that we, we could do. I've used it this week in my business for a couple of things, to create a few things, and it's been fantastic. I still had to spend some time fixing and checking and making sure everything was right. But simply put, as a tool, Chat GPT is going to become as useful in its area remember it's not google as google is in its area you want to index the web you want to know what's out there you want to go find out facts figures dates stuff google no question does a job that pretty much no one else can do in the same way chat gpt on the other hand can do other things completely other things and it uses language and 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 uses information in a very human like way which can be used to take a lot of drudgery out of a lot of stuff that we do on a day-to-day basis so stay tuned there's a lot more coming out of the whole artificial intelligence machine learning and specifically the large language models like chat gpt coming in the future and on that note we'll take a quick break for our sponsors and then i'm coming back with some more cool gadgets this is tech talk with stephen ambrose on 101.9 high fm well, welcome back. Got a little bit lost in the chat GPT there. It is a, uh, <laughs> the whole, the whole topic of <clears throat> online intelligence and machine intelligence and AI, whatever you want to call it these days, has become extremely blurry. It's sort of filtered into everything. You cannot buy any program for any business, for anything that doesn't have AI built in. You can't buy a washing machine that hasn't got AI built in. So the buzzword, the usage of smart learning machines uh, is becoming pretty much ubiquitous. You don't even notice it. But what you do notice is probably when you go to Netflix, just to circle back to what we were talking about earlier, when you go to Netflix and you go to your profile and check other people's profiles, you'll see how completely different the content um, set is, and you can actually start judging the personality of the people from the type of, of of stuff they. Um, no judgment here. I'm just saying, that uh, each one of my children has got a profile on Netflix, and when I go onto their profiles, I can see their personality coming out in what they watch, their whole choice, and that is driven by smart algorithms running in the back end, saying you watch this you will probably like this. Or you like this, you'll probably want to watch that. And that is the type of assistive stuff that technology is getting better and better and better at. Um, these sort of language models like ChatGPT, which are now starting to interact with humans in a much more balanced way, are going to change everything. And I think the way that we interact with computers using natural voice, using natural language, not just short, sharp, find me the closest grocer. You know, you'll say I'm specifically looking for Asian fusion food. Where can I get bok choy in my area that's fresh and uh, local? That's a whole that actually does work quite well uh, in Google. But that style of interaction is definitely going to grow and change, and so many, so many different things are going to come of that. So stay tuned. We do do live in a crazy, exciting world. And talking about crazy and exciting. What's better than a new Galaxy? I mean, who wouldn't want a new Galaxy every year, a whole new range of things? Well, the reality is Samsung Electronics took their wraps off their latest flagship smartphone series, the Galaxy S series. It's been going for a while. We're now on S23. So three new devices, the S23, S23 Plus, and S23 Ultra were launched last night. They will be available pretty much they're available for pre-order right now, and if you're one of those people like me who always wants the latest and greatest and the hottest and the coolest gadgets, I know that uh, sort of a bit of a clash there. But they're hot and cool. Wow, I don't know how it gets there, but that's the story. Um You can you can place your order right now and get your your latest Galaxy gizmo. But I won't say I was underwhelmed because I I really do understand the context of where all this technology is going it is very hard in the current, in the current space and i mean this is a this is something an observation that has been made of all the latest apple and samsung and anyone's devices we definitely are in a period where the changes in technology year year are very incremental for the most part they're almost unnoticeable so for a while Up until about 2015, thereabouts, every year brought massive changes in technology. Bigger screens, faster processes, different form factors, new layouts, new products. It was pretty insane. Every year there were significant changes to the, the, the overall form factor, look, feel and capability of the devices. 5G was coming in, 4G was plus was happening. There were just so many different new technologies going in. But what has happened over the last five, ten years is that these technologies have all clustered around what is being produced globally. So, processors. Yes, there's the Apple processor, which still is currently the fastest, but Qualcomm and others are doing incredible work to make processors that are incredibly fast. Screens are getting bigger, brighter, sharper, higher resolution. Uh, Cameras are getting stronger and more pixels and smarter use of technology to make use of those pixels. We'll talk about that briefly with the new 200 megapixel camera in the S23 Ultra. But overall, the form factors look somewhat familiar. The corners get rounder or sharper, or the screens get flatter or rounder. But generally there seems to be a little bit of a a fatigue in the newness of everything. So, I'm not taking anything away from the new S23 launch. Samsung have been doing a lot of work in terms of how they refine and produce their product. Um, the new Exynos, the new range do not use the Exynos processors, which is the Samsung competitor to Qualcomm, though there's rumors they are busy readying a huge new range of Exynos that will take Qualcomm on down the road using 3 nanometer production capacity. Can't even begin to tell you how advanced that is, but just take it from me—that's pretty, pretty cool tech. But right now, all the models use the new um, and especially updated Qualcomm uh, processor, and there are some significantly serious upgrades within the new range. So, just to, from a gadget point of view, now's not the time to upgrade your S22, but if you've got an S21 or below, the S23 is a pretty serious upgrade, both in the camera, both in the processor. They've got new 1,700-nit screens, all three models. Um, what that means, in simple layman terms, is that they are super bright uh, in in sunlight. You'll never miss a beat, watch or not watch a movie, no matter how bright it is. Unfortunately, the brighter the screen, to some extent, it it, it eats your battery. But all three the 23, 23 Plus, and 23 Ultra bigger batteries and smarter processors, which should give you really decent battery life. s 22 Plus had a moderate battery life, so I hope the new one is great. Uh, and the Ultra was good, but not sort of knock your socks off. Also, uh Samsung announced that if um you have a previous generation Samsung S range from the 10 upwards, I think, you get ten thousand trade in assistant for their yeah galaxy s ten up and qualifier, and you can trade in other models from other they won't mention Apple, but yeah you can trade in your apple iPhone uh, for a new galaxy and ten is a lot considering the s twenty three with a six point one inch screen, which is very handy, same powerful tech, slightly lesser cameras for twenty one triple nine the s twenty three plus is going to retail for twenty three triple nine bigger screen, slightly better cameras, bigger battery. At uh, The flagship of the lot, the S23 Ultra, with the S Pen, 6.8-inch slightly curved screen, very high resolution, very high brightness, um, all the, the gizmos and gadgets, 200-megapixel uh, camera with pixel binning, which simply means it picks the best pixels or packs the data from the pixels into the picture. So you can choose massive files to moderate files, but all the pictures should look a lot brighter a lot more detailed and a lot um, smarter. And the real truth is these cameras are nowhere near as good as proper SLRs, but the computer technology running the cameras has now got to the point where I've seen so many comparisons between massive single-lens reflex cameras using hugely expensive lenses and something taken on an S22. I haven't seen anything on an S23 yet. And on an iPhone, which is pretty much indistinguishable, Maybe if you blow it up to 10 meters, you'll see some difference. But for the most part, um, these camera, the AI or computer-assisted cameras on the new generation of smartphones do the most spectacular job. So if you're interested in all these new uh, Samsungs, you can get them now on pre-order from pretty much everywhere. They also unveiled a range of new notebooks, which look super cool. Samsung quality in that space has been really good. Not something that they're that well-known for. But a lot of good stuff coming. So we unfortunately have to take another quick break for our sponsors, and then I'll wrap up the S23 launch with a little bit more specs and a little bit more insight. And then, um, I'm afraid, as usual, when you talk tech, time flies. We'll be back straight after that. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome back, and thanks uh, for listening in as usual. Just to wrap up the whole S23 range, um, hands-on, unfortunately, I was not able to attend the launch and I was not able to actually get these devices in my hands, but all the reports from those that I trust say that these are easily the best-built Samsungs yet, and that's tough because Samsung devices over the last couple of years have been absolutely top-notch, premium feeling, really brilliantly made, greatest technology, and more important than that, the whole Samsung ecosystem of connected devices, all the platforms and apps and everything that you use, Samsung Pay, but you can put Google Pay on there. Whatever you want to do, these devices certainly become the hub to your life in the way that smartphones have become. And it represents a very different take to what Apple are doing, but very similar services in a very similar slick way. Android is a little bit more customizable. The geeks love it because you can do more funky stuff with Android, even with a Samsung, but for the average user, it is almost irrelevant which platform you choose. The same apps run, the same services run, the cameras are spectacular, uh, cloud services, storage, pictures, you name it, work exactly the same. So the pros of the new range, they do look new. They've rounded them out. They've cleaned them up. They feel great. The new Qualcomm Snapdragon 8 Generation 2 processor certainly is up there with the best there's no lag it's super fast super slick easy to use um, and from the 23 which is small and easy to use up to the 23 ultra which is huge and two-handed no question complete with the s pen and all the gizmos that you want there are extremely well positioned devices and the pricing unfortunately has gone up it's the rand i don't know what the story there is and nothing we can do about it but Overall, these are really well-presented phones, something or devices, something that, as I say, if you've got a 22, maybe wait a year to upgrade. But anyone else, these make a significant, significant upgrade. And the cameras look pretty awesome. A lot of effort's gone into that, the software and the platforms that run around the camera. Really spectacular stuff. And um, as usual, uh, I'll wait to get my review sample and give you some more detailed feedback. But I can tell you right now that Android has a new king, and that is Samsung, and it is very competitive with uh, the Apple devices. Not that that matters in and of itself, depends on who you are and what you do, but no shame in owning the top um, uh, Android device from Samsung as it is No problem to own the one from Apple. But these are really great devices at competitive prices. There'll be good deals. You'll get lots and lots of different things from Samsung. They always do this every year when they launch. And they're gonna push really hard. The market is a little tough out there. I realize that thirty grand for a phone trips off the tongue easily, but it's stupid money in the context. Knock ten grand off for your old phone, not a bad deal. And you've got a really compelling range of top notch Android phones with all the bits and pieces you would want. Generally, 256 gig cells in South Africa is standard. And um, that's the story. So a brand new Galaxy, some really cool technology, some other new gizmos and gadgets from uh, Samsung, which we'll talk about in another show. And we'll update on all the latest news around AI and chat GPT and computer-aided everything, because that's our beat here on Tech Talk on FM. And on that note, I've been told it's time to wrap up and say... Goodbye. Till next week, same place, same time. This is Stephen Ambrose for Tech Talk on High FM.